The spiritual world has spoken. Jesus is all for playing a box pool on Super Bowl Sunday. In Israel, they think LeBron's new nickname is Yasser Arafat. All I'm asking is the gods to come through for me and just figure out a way to let Carolina to win Super Bowl 50. Because I got him at 45 to 1, and that's some real spiritual shit. And welcome to the latest edition of Talking Heads. I'm Bram Weinstein in my basement in Connecticut. Mark Stern is in Washington, D.C. Hello, Mark. I am in D.C. Uh, with a shovel in my hand and a smile on my face. <laughs> so I dig out. You know, I grew up there, and every snowstorm's a disaster. Everyone knows that, like, this was an epic one that hit. Uh, there's only been a few in my lifetime that I recall living through. So why don't you give the 30-second Jim Cantori, Washington is about to explode over snow stories. You know, the snow, it was, yeah, okay, it was like 25, 30 inches depending on where you lived, and it just snowed straight for like 30 hours. You're thinking, this has got to stop at some time, and it just never stopped. And it was fine, it was fun, you get to sort of like that, you know, we're all in this together, and you're running around outside, and it's just exciting and all that, and then the snowstorm's done. And there's two feet of snow all throughout the Washington, D.C. area, and you can't drive anywhere, and you can't park anywhere, and your whole life is a mess. And everyone just looks like they want to walk around with a baseball bat and smash windows. You know, it's amazing. The federal government shuts down over this yeah. for like a week. Yeah. Not like a, not like a day. No, a week. Like a week. Yeah, yeah. That's what's going it's, on it's, down It's here. actually startling. You know, it really, it really is. I remember when I was a kid— we, there were times, and this is still apparently the case there, like, they just aren't prepared for this or don't put the resources towards dealing with it. There were times where my street just didn't get plowed. It just it had to melt on its own, and school was just out for a week because they just were not ready for it. As if they didn't know this was going to happen or that some big storm was going to happen every year. I mean, I guess it's something that's, like, funny about Washington, but that's the way Washington is in these situations. It's like DEFCON 12. Yeah. When a snowstorm hits that place. I think they say we're, we, don't, we don't have a big budget. Let's like not allocate money towards the budget of snow removal because there's some years we don't get any snow. So they're like, all right, those are the years we win. And they'll just, they're like, let's roll the dice and pray to God we don't get a huge blizzard. But the problem is, I want to say in the, like, the last 10 years, we've gotten like five of the biggest blizzards in the history of this town. So, you know, I don't know whether it's global warming or it's just our luck sucks now or whatever, but it really is. No, and they still don't deal with it all that well. So it's no. it's a nightmare. Yeah, I was in New York yesterday, uh, which is one of the reasons why this is late coming up. For those of you who are like, wait on Tuesdays to get this, so we didn't do it on a Tuesday. Sorry, fuck off. Mother Nature was an asshole. <laughs> yeah, and uh, exactly. we had to be delayed a little bit. Yeah. I had to go to New York for a bunch of things yesterday. And um that is a disaster, okay, because there's no space for anything there, okay? There's no space for anything. So when 20 inches of snowfall, there's nowhere, literally nowhere to put it. Right. So the traffic in the city, and I was dumb enough to drive in. Ooh. I don't like taking the train in because I like having my car just to escape when I'm ever ready to escape. And I was so dumb for doing that because once I got near Manhattan, it's this like game of frogger trying to find anywhere to put your vehicle because there's so much snow that's just piled up there's nowhere for anyone to go oh god whatever anyway uh you're going to san francisco next week you'll be there for super bowl week right yes so i will be the second time you're doing that super bowl 50 carolina and denver um I, you had the experience i did this once i did it last year i was out there for uh the one in arizona um and so I, you know do you want to give everybody the 
You want to give the inside baseball of what it's like to be out there for the week as a member of the media? Because I, I can I can put it to you this way from my experience. It's not really fun. No, it's actually. not. It's not fun at all, especially when it's on the West Coast, because you're going to be probably getting up at three in the morning to do something. So it's actually pretty awful. Yeah. I mean, everybody's like, oh, that's great. You go out to dinner. You, you know, you get friends out there. You party. There's all kinds of great, you know, industry parties out there. And I'm like, I'm getting up at three and then I've got to get ready for shows that you're doing while you're out there. So, you, I mean, I was working, you know, like 14, 15 hours a day out, uh, out in, in Phoenix and it's, I'm expecting to be pretty much the same thing in San Francisco. Now, it's going to be a little easier in San Fran because things are a little closer. Phoenix was really scattered. Everyone was, like, staying in different parts like Glendale or Tucson. or Not Tucson, but – and then would drive into Phoenix to do the shows because that's where Radio Row was. And everybody in San Fran is going to be gathered around the same sort of location. The Super Bowl's in Santa Clara, but everybody will be – everything's going to be centered around downtown San Francisco. So I'm hoping it's not going to be quite – the same experience I had in Phoenix last year. But, yeah, for people to think this is just one big party and everybody's having a great time out there, there's a lot of work. I really did have a great time last year. I'm hoping to have a better time this year. It sucks, actually. It sucks. Like, it's, it's, like, cool to be there, but yeah. it sucks. Like, it was cool to be, like, last year I was still at ESPN and I worked, I was, you know, doing shows live from Scottsdale. But, you know, it was, like, 7 a.m. their time, you know, 6 a.m. So there's nobody literally there. So yeah. there was, like, this cool aspect of being on the set with the idea that there'd be a crowd behind you. But, you know, it'd only be lunatics who were up at that point in time, you know, on, a, like, a Saturday morning at, like, 6 a.m. hanging out with you in some strip mall in Scottsdale, Arizona. So we didn't have that kind of experience. So it ended up, like, sucking a little bit. But, yeah, listen, I know this is first-world problems. I should stop complaining. I'm like, oh, I was on Sports Center at 7 a.m. in the morning. Wait, 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 wait. But it's so not, it's not what everybody that. thinks it is. It's, it's, it's not, not what everybody thinks. Yeah. It is, but it, like again, like listen, it, there's a pinch yourself moment of doing something like that, but it, it, it's not fun, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's know? a lot. Of work. It's not fun. Like you don't, you're you're up at you know way too, way too, way too early, you know, and then you're trying to take part in the week's events on some level, and it doesn't work out. But I know, listen, no one no one has any sympathy for the media who gets to go to Super Bowl Fifty, so I, I get it. They're, right. Everyone's sitting there going, "Move on, say something else." So I will move on and say something else. Um, I wish the matchup was Carolina and New England. I will say that out loud. Yeah. I wish it was. I know. Um, I really think it'd be a better matchup, not to take anything away from Denver. Their defense was amazing against New England. Absolutely, positively. That was one of the otherworldly playoff defensive performances I have seen. Um, I am very concerned that, you know, Carolina is not the type of team that's going to split five guys out wide. <laughs> they don't do things like that, so they're going to max protect. Cam Newton certainly can run a heck of a lot more and is a lot more mobile than Tom Brady. And I, I don't listen. Denver's defense is fantastic. They're the best in the league. They're one of the best I've seen in a number of years. They're like Seattle a couple of years ago. They are fantastic. I just don't think offensively they could score enough here. And I think Carolina is going to find a way to win. And I, I think relatively handily. And I don't think that would have been the case against New England. I think we could have had a shootout in the Super Bowl if it was Carolina and New England. But I, I just don't see that playing out this way. And maybe I'll feel differently by next week because you have two weeks to think about it. And maybe Peyton Manning could summon up some performance. But my initial gut reaction to the to the matchup is Carolina is just better and that quarterback is going to mitigate the pass rush that was so dominant against New England because Brady can't move, and they weren't max protecting for him, and Carolina is going to take a different tact, and Cam Newton's way too athletic for them, and if he's able to escape the pressure, um, I have a hard time believing that Denver's going to score enough points to win. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think my first reaction was obviously I was disappointed. I wanted I wanted it to be Denver, I mean uh, New England and Carolina because 
you know, I, I just thought that would be a great matchup as well. I think I think Carolina's I think Carolina would have won that game ultimately. I think they're just having one of those years. I think everything is in place for them. They have been crushing people. They're playing with such confidence in all phases of the game. And the way they've been blowing people out, particularly in the playoffs, where they're jumping out to these enormous leads early, I think if they get out to like a 14, 17, nothing, 20, nothing lead, I, I don't I don't I just don't see Denver getting back into that, even if they end up pulling Manning, which would be a really weird twist. If, in fact, that is his last game, if he gets pulled, say, in like the second half and they bring Osweiler, I could see if they're down. No way. You don't think that happens? I could see that. No. No way. If they're not moving the ball, they're like, listen, we got to try and score some points. And I just don't think, listen, Peyton Manning. You think the Mannings are going to let their legacy come down to Gary Kubiak doing something as absurd as that to them in what might be his last game? No way. No no way. If he's looking as old as he's looked in some of these games, and those passes are the ducks that I've seen in a lot of the games from them this season— I think you know what did you just did you just say ride it out screw it we're down twenty nothing anyways we're not going to win this game so let's just ride out with him and lose forty five to nothing. I will say this you know that game against New England he was a little more spry than I've seen him this year like he actually was mobile a little bit he a did little bit. he had that you know, nice he was run able to actually move a little bit and uh, you know that second touchdown pass to Owen Daniels. That was as good a throw as anybody's going to make in a, in a play like that, in a situation like that. But he missed so many plays that Peyton Manning of, of old doesn't miss. Yes, yeah. I'm just sitting here going, there, there's just no way. Their defense is every bit as good Carolina's as New England's is, if not better. And I just, they can't run the ball. So I just, I can't see a scenario by which they score a lot. I think they need Carolina to have a, a literally a bad game and have a bunch of turnovers. Yeah. Which I think is possible because uh, certainly Carolina's receivers are not going to scare Denver's defensive backs, but Carolina's receivers don't scare anybody's defensive backs. And for some reason, they're the number one scoring offense in the league. So they clearly are doing something right. right. And I do want to say this, too, and we'll probably get into this next week because there's one other story I want to get to that's kind of related to all of this. I, I don't think they're that far removed from Seattle of a couple years ago. No, you're right. Are, people are kind of surprised by it because they didn't see it coming, I guess, on some level. But what people forget last year was Cam Newton was injured the entire season. He entered the season injured with like a bad rib injury and he had a foot injury. They still won their division. They still got to the playoffs, and they still were dangerous once they got to the playoffs. So for me, that's why I bet on them in August. I looked at them and I said, this guy's healthy now, and they're going to win that junky division that they have, and probably handily, which gets them a home game. And at 45-1, to 1, that is a ridiculous bet to get, odds to get on a team that I think is definitively going to make the playoffs, short of a lot of really bad luck. I am not surprised that they have emerged as one of the best teams in the NFC because they have won their division like three years in a row now. And Cam Newton has grown, and he is an incredible athlete. And their defense was already always good. So I don't really understand this. I, granted, I didn't think they'd go 15-1. and one, But I don't really understand this position of we're shocked by them. How are you shocked by them? How are you shocked that they're good? They've been in the playoffs three years in a row. What is shocking about them? Uh, you know, you're you're right. They they have that Seattle feel to them, and I think it's they were just underneath people's radar. People were looking at Seattle. They were looking at New England. They were looking at Denver. You know, and Indianapolis was sort of like a hot team a couple of years ago. They was like, oh, this yes. is going to be the next or San Francisco, and they sort of were just like a little bit outside of the radar. But yeah, they've been a consistent playoff team. They were young. They've gotten better and more experienced. And this is the year that they put it all together. I certainly didn't see a 15 and one regular season, but the way they've played, I mean, they have all the hallmarks of 
a, I don't want to say a dynasty because that's too big a word, but like a nice run at the top of the heap for a few years if no they keep it together. Uh, together no doubt. Rather. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. And you know what? Cam Newton won a JUCO national title, a college football national title, and might win a Super Bowl all within the span of about six, seven years. The guy's a winner. Yeah, I'm, yeah. So, I'm sorry. Like I know he doesn't look like the traditional winning quarterbacks. I get it. I know he doesn't look like them, and I think that's part of the issue here. I think people looked at Cam Newton. They'd say, "Well, a guy who looks like that doesn't win the Super Bowl." That's what they're saying. In a lot of ways, too, the way he plays, the color of his skin, a lot of things about him. They're looking at him and they're saying, "It's hey, a typecast, the guy." Meantime, all he's been is a winner up to this point. So I'm not really sure why anyone is surprised that he's progressed to become one of the best quarterbacks, even if he doesn't do it in the traditional way. So that's all things to think about over the next you know, week and a half or whenever you listen um, to this. The other thing I wanted to get to um, in regard to the Super Bowl is I read an article by um, a group that, that covers gambling. And they cited a poll that was done by a Nashville-based evangelical polling group called Lifeway Research who asked Apparently, people who follow evangelical research polls, <laughs> I don't know who these people are, right, it's a huge but group. whoever these people are that follow this poll, I mean, it's weird because it's like, is it a scientific poll or a religious poll? I don't really, you know, it, it can't really be both because those two don't mesh in the real world. Um, and they asked this question. They said, is it, is it morally wrong to bet on sports? And 64% of the people responded no, that it's not. So evangelicals are basically saying, at least by this research, that they believe it's okay to do it, that it's not a, and these people are strict, you know, oh. <laughs> like they don't want you doing nothing or else they've <laughs> determined you're going to live, you know, eternity in a really bad state, you know, for the rest of your eternity. They don't want you doing shit, you know, <laughs> and they're saying it's OK. You bet on sports now. I think that that is a very telling thing to hear that from them. Now, they did go on to say and it was about 50 percent still said they believe it should remain illegal, which I didn't didn't make any sense to me. Like, if you don't think it's immoral, then why do you think it should be illegal? But that's besides the point. This is like kind of the marijuana question that kind of went from it went from. Yeah, I think it should be illegal, but I don't care if people smoke it, too. It's legal now. Right. Maybe these people are on the cusp of this. The far right seem to understand that betting is going to be legal in some form, and they're okay with that. My brothers and my sisters, I need you to put your hearts together for me right now. Can Chicago cover that three points? Get I get an amen from my Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, I spoke to Jesus, and he told me to take the Timberwolves over the Spurs plus seven. Now I know, I know, our Lord Savior Jesus Christ never loves a road dog of more than seven points. But here in my heart, I know that the Carolina Panthers are going to win this game. So let me hear it from you, Amen, brothers. I spoke to Jesus. <laughs> And he told me the Kansas City Chiefs would win 11 in a row. <laughs> Wait, this is, and by the way, why do I imagine, because I know that these aren't the guys, but I imagine them holding no. snakes in their hand while they do this. Yeah. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> I spoke to these snakes, and uh, they told me betting's okay. <laughs> right. I mean, uh, yeah. And that's just insane because, like you said, they're like, 
Uh, you have to pull your socks up. I can see your ankles, lady, and that's yeah. not allowed, okay? So let's yeah. just, it's, and they're like, yeah, no, but yeah, Jesus is okay with it. Yeah, come on, let's throw some money on the, on the bulls this weekend. I am shocked that that happened. I'm just shocked that, that, that they actually said that because they think everything's immoral. Everything they do. They so would... how did they turn on this topic? How did they say? So it means all the evangelicals who watch football are okay betting on it. Yeah, they're okay. They're okay with that. Now you won't. And that's want to a drink... heck of a YouTube series right there. It's like Evangelical Sunday. You <laughs> <laughs> get to see how they scream for TV at the, at the TV when a game is close and Steven Goskowski misses an extra point. If you miss this point, Lord Jesus Christ Himself will smite you down, Goskowski. Gostkowski, you will be smitten. <laughs> I need this point to cover. <laughs> My brothers and sisters, we are in a dire straits right here in this church. We need more money, and we need the Ravens to kick that field goal. As you may have noticed, we are doing some renovations to our church. For them to have a speedy completion, I would suggest you put all the power of the Lord inside of you on the San Diego Chargers. Amen, my brothers and sisters. Can I get a hallelujah? Three. I mean, yeah. And by the way, the people who are the evangelicals, and I got to imagine maybe in our audience there's like two. They're like, no, there's none. (laughs) Well, not anymore. Not anymore. Sorry. Sorry. This is just hey. Listen, evangelicals. Don't 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 get too upset. Right. Stick around because I'm about to make fun of the Jews now. <laughs> And welcome back to Talking Heads. I'm Bram Weinstein. Mark Stern is in Washington, D.C. And yes, I'm still in my basement in Connecticut. And yes, I was in New York yesterday because I was talking to people about working again. How about that, Mark? Maybe I can actually have an announcement sooner rather than later that I'm going to get out of my basement. That, well, you know, it's coming. And, and this, was not the job it's at coming. The, this was not the job at the massage parlor that I tried to set you up with. <laughs> I, it was tough to turn that one down. I know. I, well, it's still out there. If you, you, know, you just call me when you want to do that. Seems it's always available. See if we can get to that. Uh, so, uh, you know, to all the people um, of the religious right, sorry, but come on. Yeah. I mean, you people are asking for it. You're going to say, like, gambling's okay with you. Uh, it's time now to turn our attention to um, Israel, who um, this week is up in arms about the Cleveland Cavaliers and the decision that was made to fire their coach, David Blatt, with a record of 30-11 and 11 off of his first season where he got to the NBA Finals and won two games in it without two of his best three players. (laughs) And they fired him. Now, you have to understand they're upset because he came from there most recently when he came to the NBA. He had never coached in the NBA before, but he won a lot of world titles um, in a number of international leagues, and most notably with Maccabi Tel Aviv, which is a powerhouse team in Israel. And basketball is an extremely popular sport there. I've done a lot of, I don't know why I'm saying this. I've done a lot of radio interviews there. They like having me on. Gee, I wonder why. Weinstein. They like having me on. So I would do a bunch of radio interviews over there. And they are very intelligent about basketball. They really like basketball. They're really into it. And they watch a lot of NBA games over there. And apparently, one of the networks has now stopped airing Cavs games because they fired David Blatt. That seems to be going way too far over a decision that was made by the team or LeBron or whoever you want yeah, to believe Le- had, LeBron. had the decision. Yeah. And I'm sorry, but like the reality is 
there is it, this is championship or bust for them. It is different than everybody else. I don't care that his record was 30 and 11. If the team did not think they were going to win a championship with this guy, then they did the right thing. That's the reality of it. I don't care what his record was. This is you have the best player in the world in his prime. He is holding you hostage every year by signing one-year deals saying, make this happen or I might bolt again on you. And he runs it, and he doesn't get along with this guy, and the team doesn't get along with this guy. And there are two teams in the West that look far superior to them. So you know what? I don't disagree with them firing him for a second, even though I get it, his record was good. Everybody's record would be good with LeBron James. Everybody's record would be good. I agree with you, but the uh, I also agree with the optics of it, as we like to say these days. The optics are just not great. You know, I mean, it's like... What do you mean? I mean... They weren't getting along with the coach. They're winning because they have three all-stars and the best player in the world on their team. Welcome to the NBA. Really good players win. I know. That's I'm how just, it works. I, they win. I get all that. And, and by the way, for people who don't understand the timeline of this, he was hired before LeBron came back to the team. Yeah. So LeBron. So LeBron had no say in right. it. And everybody knows LeBron runs the organization. So I'm sick of hearing them say he doesn't. He does. Yes, he does. And his denials that he didn't have anything to do with this, it's like, okay, we know you did. And, and uh, you know, I think pe- most people would be like, I'm okay with that, you know? I, you know, but it's, it's a guy. It, from the outside looking in, and I know a lot of coaches were pissed off, but a lot of coaches sounded off on this and were like, this is ridiculous, it's a travesty, guy does well, takes him to lead, you know, the finals, whatever. And it's not him taking to the finals, it is LeBron. It just doesn't LeBron. it just doesn't look great. Now, obviously, when they got their asses handed to him by the Warriors, and this happened, they get fired two days later. Clearly LeBron was like, This guy isn't the guy to lead us to the promised land. We need somebody else. And you need to make that happen right now. And it's also, they were in first place. You know, I mean, things weren't. They're supposed to be. Yeah, they are. No, they are. But it's like, I mean, if you look at it, you're like, what else am I supposed to be doing? You know, I, I don't get it. You know, we're, we're, we went to the finals last year. We were banged up and we, you know, we still got there. I got the guys in first place this year. You know, I, I can't do much better than this. I would understand if people were pissed off about it, but like you, I also understand this is the reality of how the league works and how sports works in the modern world right now. I, you know, I heard all the coaches say all the things about like, how you fire this guy who's, who's you know got this record. This is a different situation. The Detroit Pistons wouldn't fire Stan Van Gundy if they were thirty and eleven because nobody would expect them to be thirty and eleven. Okay, every thirty and eleven is what they should be with that team. Okay, they should be 30 and 11. So, like, I don't get it. It doesn't matter who the coach is. And if the coach is perceived as a hindrance, then clearly a change needs to be made now. And that's why I don't disagree with this. I think this guy walked into a tough situation. He signed on for something that he didn't know he was getting. He yes. didn't know he was getting LeBron James. They wouldn't have hired him if they knew LeBron was coming back. They would have waited for LeBron and let him handpick the coach. And then this whole idea that he had nothing to do with it. You know what? He may not have actually literally said you got to go fire this guy, but I'll, let me tell you a story about uh, one of the times at ESPN. There was a guy who was a supervising producer. He's extremely well-respected guy, right? One day he's in the bathroom. I was doing this show called The Beat at that point in time. It was it was uh, very poorly produced, but it was fun. I got to like write a monologue every day and do dumb, crazy shit. No one saw it, though, because it was on ESPN News, but it was like a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun doing this show. So we were always just trying to figure out different ways to do things because that was basically our charge, do different things. So my producer, David, was in the bathroom one day, and this guy, Mark, comes in. And Mark is like a bigwig at ESPN. And 
he says to uh, to David while they're both urinating at the same time. He said, "Hey, you know that Army uh, Notre Dame game is coming up, and they're going to do it at Yankee Stadium. You know, wouldn't it be really cool if you did the whole show about that and do some of it, you know, maybe in black and white or something?" Okay, because it was like the first time they played since whatever, right? So this guy, you know, David took that as I have to do that, and that's what we did for one of the shows, and it actually was one of the more memorable ones we did. And then about a week later, David comes back to me and he said, you're not going to believe this. He goes, I ran into Mark and I went up to him and I said, hey, did you see the show we did on Army and Notre Dame? And he said, man, he was like, uh, you know, I, I didn't see it, but I heard about it and I heard it was really good. Whose idea was it? <laughs> <laughs> it was yours. We were like, what? So <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this about LeBron here, okay? I'm not going to say he walked into the guys. I believe he's not a liar. I believe he walked, didn't walk in and say, you got to fire this guy. But what if he just in passing said to him, I don't know if this Blatt thing's working out, you know? You better keep an eye on it. That's all it would take. That's it. That's it. LeBron's upset. We better do something. It's not veiled. Just like this guy, Mark, saying to my producer, David, eh, why don't you try that? It'd be great. He took that as, I better do this. And that's what I think happened here. I think LeBron was like, this, yeah, you know, we, he doesn't have the pulse of the team. He could have said anything, anything, even if it was somewhat innocuous. He could have just said, man, after that win, you know, he just, he wasn't, he just didn't have us in the right frame of mind, whatever. It could have been anything. And this guy Griffin is like, we got to get this guy out of here. We got to get this guy out of here. And I don't disagree with it. I don't. Because if this, if LeBron's unhappy for any reason whatsoever, you have to appease him. That, that's the bottom line in Cleveland. Maybe in another organization, they don't feel like they have to. But there, they do. They do. That's the reality of it. They do. Absolutely have to keep him happy. For him to leave now without winning that title would be an absolute catastrophe for that town. A town that is so starved for a championship. And if they and if they sided with Blatt and said, "Oh yeah, we're just going to keep him," and no, it's we're just going to stay the course. And at the end of the season, LeBron says, "You know what? I'm going to go to the Lakers or the Knicks or whatever." Then you're like, "Did we just chase off the best player in the history? Like, you know, of our town? Why? Why the hell would we do that?" So yeah, and listen, I'm pretty sure he didn't walk into a room and say, "I'm not saying you got to fire this guy, but you got to fire this guy." Right. You know? But but you know. Certainly, his body language. I mean, you saw you saw it last year and, and this year when it, during timeouts, he's not even paying attention to the coach. It's like, yeah, this is just not. He just doesn't feel like he needs this guy. And I don't know whether Ty Lue is somebody that he just has a connection with and he just trusts him more or whatever. But clearly, it was never a great fit. And it's dis. I mean, I don't know. It's disappointing that the people of of the great state of Israel are like we are shunning you forever. There's this uh, this reporter for some French paper was quoted about this saying um that he's joking a little bit when he says this, but he said um right now the hate Israel has for LeBron is comparable to the hate they have for Hamas. Oh, God. oh wow. <laughs> really? Wow. <laughs> so I get you to listen. This guy's favorite son, and, you know, he's welcome back there to be king of Israeli basketball, David Blatt. He's the LeBron of Israeli basketball, apparently. But I think, and I've said they are very intelligent about basketball, I think my friends in Israel are a little off on this, yeah. that this is a special scenario with a special player with a coach that he was not getting along with who doesn't have the Phil Jackson, Pat Riley pedigree. Sorry, you know, and there isn't that Phil Jackson, Pat Riley presence sitting above that coach going, you're going to listen to this coach, which is probably what happened with Pat Riley and Eric Spolster in Miami with LeBron. He said, 
this is my guy. You got a question about it? You can come talk to me, but this is my guy, and don't question me. But there's nobody in Cleveland like that. Right. There's no person there that LeBron could go to and say, I don't, I don't know about this guy, and no one is, is gonna, has got the clout to say back to him, but this guy knows what he's doing. you got to trust it. Everyone said, oh, my God, he's upset. we got to get rid of him, and the truth is that's what they had to do. That's what they had to do. Cleveland should have hired Phil Jackson to run the organization. Yes. Yes. Not the Knicks. Yeah. It, Cleveland should have hired him and said, you don't have to coach him, but you, we, we got to have you run this organization so that if he's got any issues with anything, he can go to you. He will respect you. He will he will listen to anything you have to say. We need somebody here who's going to listen to him and he's going to listen back from. There's nobody here for him to listen to. And that is a flaw that they have. It doesn't mean they're not going to win anyway, but that is a flaw. And if that's their biggest flaw, then that's what cost Blatt his job. So blame the organization on that and not LeBron. That's the organization's fault. Yeah, which makes it – we talked about this. I can't remember if this was on the air or off the air. But, like, if LeBron does cut and run after this year, it, it makes a lot of sense to me that New York, for a lot of reasons, but the Phil Jackson connection, he really – I think he needs somebody like that that he can – he can look that he respects. And he's like – Because he respects. Because he's like, I'm playing at a totally different level. I am not immortal. I am a god, and I need to talk to another god because they they're the only ones that understand what exactly it is I'm going through. That's what he had in Miami. He had Pat Riley. Pat Riley did not coach the team. Pat Riley, this is his hand-picked coach. Pat Riley said, you're going to listen to this coach. He's a really good coach. You just have to trust me on that. You just have to trust me on it. And you know what? They didn't run Spolstra out after that first year when there was obvious tension going on between LeBron and Spolstra, and there should be. Yeah. LeBron knows what the fuck he's doing, and this other guy may or may not know what he's doing. Clearly, he doesn't have the pedigree to know it, but Pat Riley sat LeBron down, and LeBron was going to listen to him. Yeah. LeBron was going to sit there and say, I can't question Pat Riley. I, mean, I can't question Pat Riley. Cleveland should have hired Phil Jackson. That's what they should have done. They should have hired somebody like that and said, "We, you don't have to coach the team. You don't. But we got to have a presence here to handle this situation. It's why the Lakers are successful with stars. They have presences like that. Magic Johnson is in an organization like that. When they need someone of that clout to come in and make sure that everybody's okay and copacetic and can deal with the fact that they're these big-time stars and there's going to be ups and downs to a long season, that person's there for those star people. Cleveland doesn't know how to handle something like this. They didn't know how to handle it the first time with LeBron, which is why he left, and they clearly don't know how to handle it now. He's just so good that he can force them to places that you know, they would custom wouldn't get to. Yeah. It's telling about the organization, but the organization did what they felt like they had to do, which was, this isn't working now. And I don't care what the guy's record was. It's championship or bust. And everybody's ass is on the line for it. If it's not working with this coach, you make a change. And it's a special circumstance. And it has nothing to do with other coaches in the league. If, you know, Jeff Hornacek is 30 and 11, no one's talking about firing him. Right. Okay. They would be like your coach of the year, but David Blatt at 30, 11, sorry, you're not because everyone knows they could be better. That's the reality of it. They could be better, and it's a special circumstance. Um, one other story, real quick. So um, Amherst College, there's always been a lot of talk about um, mascots. You know, I've been living with it with the Redskins for a long, long time. And one day, I'll, maybe I'll get into my stories about the Redskins and how I feel about that. Not today, though. Right. Um, Amherst College up in Massachusetts is named after Jeffrey Amherst, who was a British soldier. And um, he is, was prominent in the French and Indian War. And their mascot there, I guess, since the beginning of time, is this Lord Jeff, which is, I guess, a depiction. I've never seen it, but it's a depiction of the guy. The school's named after him. The mascot's the guy, right? That's not unusual. George Washington University in Washington, D.C. has a guy who looks like George Washington running around the court. Right. <laughs> That's what they have. Yeah, you know? exactly. When you have a school that's named after somebody, oftentimes the mascot is the guy, okay? So that's what it is. But it turns out... <laughs> 
if you know your history, and I don't, but I found this out now through the reasons why they're getting rid of Lord Jeff as the mascot at Amherst University, which is a little ridiculous. They're basically distancing themselves from the namesake of the school is because he is best known during that war for trying to deliver smallpox-infected blankets to Native Americans to wipe out tribes. Yeah, yeah, that's not that's not where you're going to play to the modern crowd. It might have been big in, like, 1760, but here in 2015, you did what, Lord Jeff? We're, ne- we're, we're celebrating you? I'll be, honestly, I had no, and I'm a big history guy. You know that about me. I love history. And when I start to read about these things, I was like, oh, this guy was a bag of shit. This guy's not only that, yeah. he was a British general. He's not even an American guy. I don't know we were all part of the colonies before, you know, during the French Indian Wars. Uh, you know, so it's, essentially we were all we were on the same side at that point. But this guy was a bag of shit. And you've got a university named after him, not just some pissant university. This is Amherst. This is a pretty good school. I got to think that they're thinking long and hard about maybe we're going to call ourselves just university now. We can't associate with the guy who was like, I got an idea. What if we put the smallpox in the blankets and then gave it to the Indians? <laughs> hey, then we, you know what? That's a, Hey, you know what, Lord Jeff? That's a great idea. Who's got some blankets and who's got some smallpox? Let's get that done. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I, like, I, yeah, I read this and I'm like, wow, it's 2016. No one brought this up over the last 70 years. <laughs> Yeah, like how, how the fuck did everybody? that? How the fuck did that not get mentioned by somebody? Excuse me, we're studying history here, and I just read about our namesake, and he was the smallpox guy. What the fuck? <laughs> Say, I was um, I want to verify something. I was on Wikipedia the other day, and it said the guy whose school I attend that um, is named after him tried to infect entire populations of people with smallpox. Yeah. Yeah. Is that true? Yeah, can we get a yes? Is that true? Yeah, yes or no on that. Where where do where do we stand on the smallpox and our namesake? Where where's that going? Yeah, I don't think there's any Idi Amin college in Africa anywhere. <laughs> I don't, just no. don't think they named a school after him. No, they did not. There's not a Pol Pot University. No. You know. Like does Lord Jeff run around the sidelines with weird looking blankets laughing? I mean <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh here's here's the great bit where Lord Jeff throws the blankets into the crowd. See if you get a free yeah. one, kids. When you go to the concession stand, you could buy the good blanket that says Amherst or the weird-looking blanket if you're a visitor for a discount. Right. Now, I know we're going through this. Like, Princeton is, like, reviewing whether Woodrow Wilson should be the, yeah. the name of one of their schools up there. And I know there's actually some stuff down here about Howard University that's, you know, you know. so the, when you examine the—and it's hard— because when you go back and look at stuff that happened in the 18th century with 21st century sensibilities, it never lines up. But I think one thing that we can all agree on is that spreading smallpox to wipe out populations with blankets. I, it's literally yeah. unbelievably and it's not despicable. worth building a mascot over. That no, 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 no. Right, you you got to change. <laughs> it doesn't. Yeah, that's an easy no, fix. No, that doesn't sound right. No. It, just, it feels wrong. But, you know, again, this is like my stupidity of not even knowing like having no clue like like people have been railing about the redskins nickname forever but it's easy because it's like obvious like it's an obvious thing like you'd have to know who this guy is amherst college is in amherst massachusetts that's where umass is too yes the town's named after the guy yeah they might want to look into that one and be like the town's probably like oh my god look away oh my (laughs) oh my god we live in the town where we want to give everybody smallpox oh my god (laughs) yeah we're that town oh oh man 
Thanks a lot, King of England. <laughs> really appreciate that one. I think that if I listen, if I were the, the the president of that university, I would be saying, "Well, first of all, the mascot is never going to be Lord Jeff again. It's you know what? We'll call it Timmy. I don't care what the hell we call no. it. It's not going to be that jackass. And we're going to think long and hard whether we want to change our actual name and the town. <laughs> you guys should think about it too, because this is a joke." <laughs> Our, our new mascot is just a needle with a vaccine in it. <laughs> right, yeah. That's it's, all. Yeah. See, we're with you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's th- yeah, we're the syringes. We're the fighting yeah. syringes. We're the syringes. Yeah, Jesus Christ. That, is, <laughs> that, blew my, that blew my mind when I read that. I was like, that was the guy? Because you always heard that story yeah. about, you know, the smallpox and the blankets, but I didn't, you never knew there was an actual guy that was behind it, and it was this jackass. Yeah, you're like, hey, you remember Crazy Jeff, don't you? You wanted to give everybody smallpox. What a lunatic. <laughs> and they're like, they named a school after him. Oh, really? Oh, that's cool. Right. You imagine you bring some guy back from the dead who was like a colleague of his, and you're like, oh, yeah, he was a bloody lunatic. No, yeah. I mean, yeah, he had this idea about smallpox and blankets and killing everyone. You named a school after him, an entire town. Good Lord, and you won the war? You're morons. And welcome back to Talking Heads. I'm Bram Weinstein in my basement in Connecticut. Mark Stearns in Washington, D.C. Big uh, profile in the Chicago Tribune this week of Jim Harbaugh, um, who apparently, you know, there's been a lot. If you've been following the recruiting stuff, which I don't follow really, really closely because I'm not huge into, you know, following college football to that degree to know where all the recruits are going. But there was a big profile of Jim Harbaugh. And apparently, and there's been a lot of publicity about all these kind of PR-driven type of, like, Jim Harbaugh did a sleepover at some guy's house, and everybody's wearing khaki pants, and they're out in their backyard, and he's having a picnic with these guys. And they're kind of painting him as he's kind of, like, really, you know, he's really fun-loving type of dude. And the Chicago Tribune does this whole story about all these guys that he's basically screwed over, who had committed to Michigan for multiple years, and then all of a sudden, he's basically ditching them kind of last minute, leaving them hard-pressed to find the right type of spot in the right type of program. Program, um, to move forward, which is you know kind of a crappy thing to do, um, but I would like to just have a retort to that, which is, don't most coaches do this? I mean, don't they do that? Especially ones that have been there in a very very short period of time. Like the the, the cases that they put in this article were about guys who had committed before he was there. So you know what? I'm sorry, but like he's going to pick his own players, and he might go about it in a shitty way, but he is going to pick his own players. And he is offering them four-year scholarships. And I don't think because they said they would go and the ex-coach said they would have him that Jim Harbaugh should be held to that as kind of crappy as that whole scenario kind of sounds. I agree with you. It's certainly like it's like, look, I wasn't the previous coach. You know, I, you know whatever, we'll, we'll talk. But from reading the article, and it is slanted towards, you know, the kid that got screwed. But it's like... Harbaugh and his coaches had talked to him like, we're so excited to have you here. Like, you know, you're going to be part of the, the team and everything's going to be great. And, you know, and then like as recent as recently as like six months ago, they're saying that. And then like like within a month, they're like, yeah, actually, uh, we don't want you now. You're going to have to open up your, your college. I'm going with there's a story like that at every major program now. I, I'm, there I'm, probably I'm is. I guess that there is, especially ones where the coach changes. I bet you there's a, there's a million stories like that at every school because the new coach comes in and they says, we're, we're going to get this type of guy. We're not going to have that type of guy. And sorry, 18-year-old, you don't get the free ride here. you got to go find it somewhere else. That's why there's a large part of me that hates this signing day frenzy that we have and all this stuff in the recruiting classes. There's too much hype about these, and I know I'm sort of going off on something that's slightly different, but about these, you know, 16- and 17- and 18-year-old kids 
And I'm like, we're putting the, the spotlight on these kids at way too early of an age, and there's too much going on with these kids. And if they don't get it the way they want it, you know, they're going to feel like their lives are effed up. And it's just, you know, is that really what, how we want to be approaching collegiate athletics? And it's really just football that really starts to build builds the big frenzy out of this. I mean, when you read this, when I read the story, I was listen. I'm predisposed to, to not like Harbaugh because I'm an Ohio State guy. So I'm yeah. like, I'm like, yeah, what a dick, you know? Yeah, because Urban Meyer would never do that, right? Never, <laughs> ever would he do that. <laughs> Urban Meyer left Florida partially because yeah. of the criminal track record of the team that was there. I know. I he know. was under immense pressure to explain why so many of his players were being arrested. Yeah. That's a problem. That's a problem. So I know I came into this with a little bit of baggage, and I'm like, yeah, they screwed this kid over. I hope he becomes a Hall of Fame player. But, you know, it, the reality of it is you're 100% right. I'm sure this goes on with every major program, especially when there is a change in the head coaching position. Yeah, whatever. I mean, I, I just think I think he's an easy target. I think he's kind of like – He's a weird dude. He is. You know? he's, he's and he's crazy. He's really weird. He's got wild-eyed looks. He talks funny to people. You don't know when he's going to be happy or sad. He's, he has this kind of bipolarish attitude about him. And so I think he's like an easy person to not like. And I think he's going to be one of those guys that around the country people are going to take pot shots at because he's easy to not like, despite the fact that he's a winner. And, you know, I think that that's going to galvanize Michigan even more. I think it's actually a good thing for them because when everybody at Michigan's like, we love this guy, yeah. it galvanizes them around him. Because oh. if he wins and he's that way, they're like, you hate us because you ain't us. That's what it is. That's what it becomes. When you have this likable coach, sometimes that works. Joe Paterno was kind of that way for a really long time. Eh, you know, folksy Joe Paterno. Right. Uh, you know, but like Nick Saban, everybody hated Nick Saban for a very long time. We've all kind of gotten to know that he's really kind of not this demonic creature that people kind of turned him into for a period of time. And that actually galvanized Alabama, I think. All those Alabama players were like, we know this guy way better than you do. Right. So why don't you go fuck yourself? And I think that's what's going to end up happening at Michigan here if he continues to win and if it continues to grow. And the only real hindrance I see for him right now, and, and this type of press, I don't think is bad press for him. I think he's just saying, I want elite guys. Screw you. Yeah. That's what I'm going after. And you're going to have to deal with that fact. The only hindrance for him is if Urban Meyer sticks around long enough and continually beats him. Yeah. He, then he's going to have a problem. He has to be. If that continues, then he's going to have a problem. Short of that, all of this type of stuff to me doesn't paint him in a bad light to me. It paints him as he wants to win. He's going to go out of his way to try to win. And he's only been there a year and a half. Give the guy a break. He wants his own players. Sorry that a couple kids' feelings got hurt if they were going to get a scholarship to michigan they're probably going to get a scholarship to a lot of other places too he has to beat ohio state it just is ohio state has to beat michigan if it ever if it ever goes one way or the other and it's not sort of an even split it, it's death for a head coach so it for all that he's doing you know he doesn't have to beat him right away he doesn't you know beat him next year i mean it would be go a long way towards you know solidifying his future there but that's the game. That's the only game that matters with both those. National championships don't actually matter as much as that game, in my opinion. All right, do the snakes. Let's hear it. Dude, you teased dude, it last week. What's the snakes? Do the snakes. All right, so here's the deal. In Florida, there are these things called Burmese pythons. They are not indigenous to Florida. They came over. People bought them as pets or whatever. And then remember, remember Hurricane Andrew back in, like, 93? Okay, yeah. there was like a holding facility for some of these snakes, like a breeding house, okay? Ew. Yeah, exactly. Ew. Grossest place ever. Right. By the, by the way, you're looking for a gig. I know a guy. <laughs> <laughs> you'll, you'll like handle snake? 
Yes, I am. I am Lou. I am Snake Guy. Come, Bram. We gonna play with snakes. Going to be fun. Yes, ven- venom, not so bad. Don't worry. <laughs> so during Hurricane Andrew, it like blew the, the the holding place up, and all the snakes are like, "Fuck it, I'm out of here." And they all go into the Everglades because it's right down the street. So oh. over the course of the years, they have bred and they have wiped out virtually every form of mammal life that existed in the Everglades, right? Like raccoons, squirrels, like everything that's out there, they have eaten because they are, they have no natural predators. I think they have two natural predators, like man and like uh, alligator. And essentially, they, the state of Florida has said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a big python hunt. It's called the big, it's the, the big python challenge. And it started a couple of weeks ago. And they did this a few years ago, and they caught... 68 pythons, okay, which didn't even begin to put a dent in the population. There's like thousands of these snakes, and they can they can grow up to like 20 feet. I mean, they're huge. So they're sending everybody out into the Everglades. You can either hunt as a single guy or as a team, and you get cash prizes for like the longest snake. It's like a thousand bucks or three thousand bucks. So they want you to kill them. Well, yeah, but they don't want you to shoot it. Or like like cut it with a knife. They want you to catch. No, they actually want you to catch it with your bare hands. Like that's <laughs> exactly. Now, Bram, can you imagine being the Everglades? <laughs> like, oh, there's a big 15 foot python. Let me go grab that. I mean, oh, I know my limitations. Like it would eat me. Yeah. So I would be part of Faces of Death 828, whatever number they're up to, and that would be a python eating me. So, and these things are really hard to find because they're predators. So they blend in with the wildlife. They can be underwater. You can't find them. So we are about a couple of weeks into this, and they have 61 that are caught. So we're about to break the record from 2013, and it's going to go on until February 14th because nothing says Valentine's Day like a big Burmese (laughs) python. So How many people have died doing this? Apparently, apparently none, and I can't believe it. And by the way, when the That's snakes are kept, luck. It, it is flat luck. It is. I would think every year to be like, well, we caught sixty pythons and we lost four hundred people. You it's know, like the bulls thing. It's the bulls thing. You know, there's going to be a percentage of people who get injured. <laughs> right, like right. you know it. Like there's no way around it. Like it's dangerous. So like I can't. These snakes are going to figure this out at some point. They're going to be like, oh, it's February. It's a little chilly down here. <laughs> these stupid ass white bumfucks are going to come down here and try to get us again. It's time to figure this shit out. Yeah, yeah. Let's have us some people. I I, mean, I like yeah. people. They're tasty. Yeah, let's get me I'm with that. Yeah. So you know, I just look at be- that fatty fatty. I'm going to eat that one. <laughs> yeah. Hey, fatty fatty fatty, come here. Yeah, fatty. You want to catch a snake? Fatty, 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 fatty. Boom. Come on now you look. Yeah. So, yeah. I, you know, I just, I, because it's Florida. Everything, every time you hear the phrase, a man in Florida, and it's like, they, only these guys would think that this would be a good idea. So Why do people want to retire there? I don't I have really n- understand. It I have no doesn't clue. sound that pleasant to me. Old people must be just so cold. Right. They just must be so cold. It's just so hot there, so it just it actually regulates their body temperature. No. It's the only reason I can come up with, because I'm with you. It's like, it just sounds like crazy things happen there constantly. Yeah, I got, I got no desire to retire to Florida. No. And I certainly don't want to go anywhere near the Everglades, where apparently there are thousands of 20-foot-long Burmese pythons. What are you doing this weekend? Uh, me and Mabel are going to go watch the crazy people try to catch the snakes. <laughs> Chasing snakes. Oh, yeah, it's a hoot. Yeah. You should come on down. You should come on down, hon. Check this out. <laughs>
ridiculous. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's pretty good. I'll keep an eye on that. We want. I want a running number next week. Let me know what the number's up to and how many people are dead. I anticipate some people will be dead. Yes, I will have that number. If no for one's you. dead, I'm actually disappointed in the snakes. Oh, I'm, you know, I'm like, yeah. kind of like really snakes. Right. Really. That's you didn't kill any of these idiots. Well, that's Half when of the, them have to be drunk. That's when the snakes are like, you know, what? we should get Blatt. You know, he's a good head coach. He's got a decent record. We uh, need somebody uh, uh, to get us in the right direction. <laughs> He's available. You can get him. Uh, just, to, just as a quick side note, you know the reason why this podcast is late is Mark Stern is a snow wuss. He's been in Washington too long. He called me on Sunday. I'm not going to make it on Monday. The storm was yesterday. I know. Well, it's what my, it is. That's the truth. It is. You the have truth. become a Washington D.C. snow wuss. That's what you are. I am. I am, and that's the truth. That's why it's late. This is on me. And I am Burley, Connecticut man, and I fly to Florida now and eat snake. <laughs> I kill, I kill with bare hand. <laughs> <laughs> All right, see you next week. Bye.